Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode four of the 2023 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I'll tell you what, less than a week until college football begins, and I can't be any more excited. Now, we know Labor Day weekend's the full slate of games. And look, for those of you like me who love the warm weather, love summer weather, the good news about hitting September is it's football season. So absolutely something for us to look forward to. And again, before we hit the 27th of August, we're going to take a look at a lot of those matchups, see who we should be paying attention to in terms of the 2023 NFL Draft. Episode 4 of this podcast series is dedicated to the running back. That's right. Episode 4 is the running back podcast, if you will. So we're going to be taking a look at who some of the best running backs are in this draft class. Who should we be paying attention to? Now, we know that we did not have a running back come off the board in round number one this past season. Uh, But when you look at Brees Hall and the way that he's been performing in the preseason, in camp, etc., it looks like the Jets may very well have a star on their hands. And when I look at Brees Hall, I thought maybe there was a chance the Bills would draft him in round number one. They had their eyes set on K.E.R. Elam, wound up taking James Cook there in the third round. They were just fine getting a running back there in round number three. When I look at this year's draft, I definitely see at least one running back coming off the board in round one, and that's Bijan Robinson out of Texas. We'll be talking about him here in just a moment. If you look at that 2021 draft, if Bijan were the Najee Harris, and again, running backs with completely different running styles, you look at Travis Etienne, sitting there at number 25 overall, the Jaguars trading up to get him there. And when you look at at what Travis Etienne brings to the table, the speed, the elusiveness, the explosiveness, reminds you a lot of of Jameer Gibbs, formerly of Georgia Tech, now with Alabama. So there's a lot to really discuss here in terms of how those games may, may equate to the NFL level. And then you have to kind of fill in the blanks after that. You've got Sean Tucker of Syracuse, Rasheen Ali, who's only a redshirt sophomore there at Marshall, but a guy that I think people aren't really talking about, but someone who I'm a huge fan of. You've got the SEC that has a bunch of running backs in that class and really a lot of different styles. So there's a lot to talk about. A couple of FCS running backs to be on the lookout for as well. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into this running back class. And I'll tell you what, when I look at Bijan Robinson, I see him as really the most complete running back in this year's draft class, most exciting. Um, you know, And that's what's crazy is there are a lot of exciting running backs in this class. Um, now look, you know, Bijan, after a, a freshman season, over 700 yards, um, an explosive effort as a sophomore, um, you know, over 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns to go along with 26 receptions in just 10 games. Elbow injury against Kansas ultimately eliminated his season. Uh, took him out a little early there. But this is a guy who, look, man, the yards after contact, the missed tackles, those are things that really jump off at the you know off the tape at you. And you know, through four games at one point, he was at 21 broken tackles. And when you look at him, he's six foot, 214 pound. He's powerfully built. Uh, a guy who, at the same time, has the speed, able to get to the edge in a hurry, able to cut up the field without losing speed. Um, and there was a play that was very reminiscent of, of Reggie Bush. And I, I, I look, I'm not saying he's the next Reggie Bush by any means, but it was against OU. He takes the football to the right. Then there's a lateral cut, reverses the field, makes three defenders miss, a stiff arm on Billy Bowman. The, the nickel, and then gets down to the pylon and out at the one-yard line. It was a 50-yard gain. Really, you know, that explosiveness, the elusiveness, the ability. You know, he's just so slippery. He's not afraid to make some spin moves to avoid those linebackers, sidestepping defenders. Um, it, it was very reminiscent of, of Reggie Bush in, in watching the way that, that uh, Bijan Robinson runs. Uh, you just want to see him stay healthy, be out there. And look, Texas... The other piece is, is making sure that you continue to feed him the rock. What happened against OU, Bijan Robinson, to me, what was the reason why Texas wound up with 28 points in the first quarter? And as OU started this momentum shift, especially when Caleb Williams took to the field, I felt like they needed to get back to what was working for them, and that was give a heavy dose of Bijan Robinson. 
and they kind of went away from that and then ultimately they lost their lead they've got to go ahead and try to to get back into the game what do they do they have to start throwing the football a lot more really took uh any of the the momentum that they had with that running game out of you know kind of threw it out the door I hope that Steve Sarkeesian and company don't do that. They have some explosive weapons on offense. You're going to have Quinn Ewers, the, the 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 quarterback, the transfer from Ohio State. You're going to have Xavier Worthy, who's a tremendous receiver. Jordan Whittington as well. You're going to have Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end. A lot of different moving parts there, but I honestly believe that that offense is going to go as Bijan Robinson goes. And you look at the creativity with, with his his running style. You know, he's just so instinctive. But I talk about creativity. Look, his NIL deal with the gourmet mustard. Dijon mustard. Bijan Robinson. Bijan Mustardson. Gotta look up that 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 mustard. I wanna give it a try. You know, maybe in a, another podcast can give you a review on Bijan Robinson's Dijon Mustard. Uh, but when you talk about creativity, you know, his slogan is you know, it's a touchdown in your mouth. If that doesn't sell big in Texas, then then something's wrong. But uh, you know, look, Bijan also a tremendous receiver. Uh, you know, catches the ball in, in space, able to catch it off of his frame and be able to get up the field without any issues. Uh, they'll line him up in the slot. You'll see him uh, understand how to release off the line. You'll see a good stutter or a head fake release to the outside. Possibly a, a post pack to the inside, uh, but a guy who can get vertical in a hurry as a receiver, uh, running between the between the tackles. What you love is is the ability to run through contact. That contact balance is absolutely there. Uh, he's just he's a he can be physical when you need him to. He's also a guy that uh, has that home run speed, the ability to not only move vertically but also be able to move laterally as well. A lot of these guys. A lot of these running backs can move vertically and they can take off down the field, but you know, you've got to be more than just a north-south runner. Can you make plays sideline to sideline without losing speed? That's the other key. We're going to be talking about some guys as well who, when you've got to throttle down that start-stop, it's going to take them a couple of steps to get back up to full speed. Not Bijan Robinson. He is going to be back to full speed almost instantly. That start-stop ability, the suddenness, B. John Robinson, to me, is going to be a first-round pick. It's just going to be a question of just how high he comes off the board. I'm super excited to see what we get out of him. Number two on my list is Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, 5'11", 200 pounds. And uh, look, you know, he, at Georgia Tech, he had a, a, a solid uh, solid campaign there as a sophomore. Um, you know, look, he, still he was he was third in the FBS in all-purpose yards at 150 yards per game, 746 yards on the ground, 465 through the air, 589 as a kickoff returner. So Jameer Gibbs does a little bit of everything. When you look at him, though, he does have a smallish frame, not overly physical, but it's all about the short area quickness and the explosive. That's what makes him such a dynamic kick, kick returner is the ability to make you miss in the open field, the ability to start and stop and get back to full speed in a hurry. When he sees a cutback lane, he puts that foot in the ground and he cuts to that hole in a hurry. Speed, vision, elusiveness in the open field, very dynamic. He does miss some cutback lanes at times, going to you know do a little bit too much to create space. Man, when he's heading downhill, that's one of the things that I think is really special, those loose hips to be able to make the cuts and not lose any speed he's going to make you miss in the hole uh, avoid multiple tacklers then be able to get into space and then once he has that he has the speed he has that second gear to take off and, and take it to the house uh, what I do love about him is he doesn't dance behind the line of scrimmage he's going to press it press the hole and then that burst to get downhill uh, again very creative in the open field also love the hands as a receiver He's able to extend for it as well if the ball's thrown high. Um, the route running ability, being able to you know press outside and then cut back to the inside. Uh, you know that explosiveness coming out of the out of the route running. Um, again, that return ability, so explosive coming downhill. Just hold your breath because a big play is just about ready to happen. There was that 98-yard touchdown that he had against BC. Uh, you know the vision to see the cutback lane, foot in the ground 
gets to the outside, then the speed out, run the coverage, and take it to the distance. You know, he's got a little bit of a stiff arm to him as well, a little bit of the physicality, but not really a guy who's known to be driving the pile. It's all going to be about how quick can he be in space, and with the way that the game is changing, you're not always going to have a guy who's going to be uh, just a, a first and second round, first and second down guy. You're going to want to have somebody who can be dynamic in space as a receiver, as a running back, and that's exactly what Jameer Gibbs is. And that's why I've, I've compared him to Travis Etienne. May not have all of the, the production that Etienne had, but when I look at Jameer Gibbs, I, I see a lot of similarities to the game because of his ability to do a lot of things with that athleticism. Uh, very excited to see what he does there for Alabama. Look, the rich get richer. Bama, very different style of running a season ago with, with Brian Robinson. Now they bring in Jameer Gibbs. It's really going to be a fun dynamic to see there, especially with Bryce Young there at quarterback. Want to see how quickly they build that chemistry uh, you know, in the passing game as well. Number three for me is Sean Tucker out of Syracuse. 5'10", 210 pounds, and when you look at Sean Tucker, obviously he, he put together a, a solid freshman campaign there in 2020, nine games, produced 626 yards on the ground, but then he comes in as a sophomore and just explodes. Just under 1,500 yards on the ground, 6.1 yards per carry and 12 touchdowns to go along with 20 receptions. And what you love about Sean Tucker is that not only is he a, a, a track guy with that speed, the 55-meter, 100-meter, 200-meter champ, but he also runs with purpose. This is a guy who's going to be a lot more physical. You're going to see him run through some arm tackles. Uh, you're going to see some of that, that contact balance. He definitely runs with the forward lean and averaged 3.1 yards after contact. A guy who just, again, always seemed to be falling forward, running through arm tackles, able to drop that pad level into the line, you know, especially on some of those short yardage plays. But he's also elusive in the open field. You see the lateral agility to get to those cutback lanes. Um, you know, a guy who can, can make you miss in the hole. You see the cuts, the stutter steps, the footwork, able to sidestep tacklers in the hole. Uh, that elusiveness uh, to go along with some power and then the speed, I think that's really tremendous. But then for as much as he, he runs with that purpose and, and that drive, you also see his ability to run with some patience, waiting for his blockers to seal the edge, to get outside, waiting for his guys to get a kick-out block before he explodes through the hole. And then once he's into the open field, he's got that safety sitting in front of him. He's going to be able to set him up, set him up with a good head and shoulder fake and be able to take it to daylight. I'm a huge Sean Tucker fan. Um, look, he may not be uh, used a ton in the passing game, add just 20 receptions a season ago. I think that's going to increase. But look, ball security. If you are an NFL head coach or a running backs coach or an offensive coordinator, what are you looking for? You're looking for guys who can hold on to the football. And when you talk about the number of plays from scrimmage, 266 plays from scrimmage, just one fumble for Sean Tucker. Now look, he's a guy who I, I think is inconsistent as a pass protector. I think if there's anything that he really needs to work on, it's right there. Doesn't always line his man up, will miss some of those blocks, um, but I, I think he is a willing blocker. I think he's going to work on getting those hands in there in, and keeping it into his frame. Uh, did a good job picking up some of those linebackers through the A-gap. Uh, but I think that's an area that he just needs to continue to get better and better. But again, I'm a huge Sean Tucker fan. I think right now, beginning of, of day two is where we'd see him come off the board. But man, he, he's explosive. He's physical. Um, you know, he has a little bit of, of what some of these guys are, are, are lacking, a little bit of both. Either they're physical and they're not fast, or they're fast, not physical. We've got a guy who can do both, and that's why I have him sitting there at number three. Number four on my list little interesting, it's Rasheen Ali out of Marshall. The best running back nobody's probably heard of. Six foot, 201, redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, one of the things with, with Rasheen Ali, uh, 23 touchdowns on the ground, over 1,400 yards, uh, 45 receptions as well. Uh, very explosive back. Um, really a lot of fun to, to watch. You know, he, he has good but not great speed. But it's that burst to the hole, the ability to just pick up bunches. And look, he's got that nose for the end zone. 23 
touchdowns. Uh, are, are you kidding me? I mean, that's that's absolutely incredible. One of the things that I love is he, he gets the defense leaning to the outside, and once he can, you know has that feel, foot in the ground, cuts it back to the inside, and gets up the field, and then once he gets north and south, he's able to run through arm tackles and get some of that momentum coming downhill. Um, the footwork, the cutback ability. Um, you know, I, I just look at my notes again and again. I just talk about how he sees that cutback lane, cuts off of off of his offensive lineman's block, gets north and south. Just absolutely love the footwork for, and love his ability to catch the football out of the backfield as well. I think Rasheen Ali is poised for a big season. Marshall's now in the Sun Belt. I think there are a lot of favorable matchups for him. So be on the lookout for Rasheen Ali out of Marshall. He's a guy to really keep an eye out for. Number 22 for the Thundering Herd. Now we get into the SEC, and we've got quite a few running backs to talk about. So uh, if you're not an SEC fan, you might want to tune out for the next few minutes. Um, but look, um, I, I think the first guy for me that I want to talk about is Zach Evans, formerly of TCU, now there at Ole Miss, uh, 5'11", 195 pounds, um, over 1,000 yards in, in his season there at TCU, nine touchdowns. Um, 18 receptions in his career as well. The biggest thing is going to be keeping him healthy. Played in just six games in 2021. Had that toe injury that ultimately ended his season. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at Zach Evans, he's really an inside-outside zone running back. You know, looks to press the hole, make that defender commit, and then cuts to the hole that's vacated by the defender. So he really does a great job setting up his runs well. You see that explosive burst once he does get north and south and gets down downhill. Um, that's really the biggest thing that I see for him. Um, not the most elusive back in space, but definitely a guy who, once you get him outside, he's going to drop that pad level. He's going to run over your safeties. He's going to bounce off that tackle and continue to get downhill. Um, so the contact balance, the play strength, absolutely there. Uh, a guy who's going to be tough you know, through a lead block on a fourth and one play to, for Max Duggan kick out block on, on B.J. Foster there of, of Texas. Let him actually get up the field for a solid gain. Um, as a pass blocker as well, you're going to see him uh, step up and, and make some plays as well. But but I, I think the biggest thing when I look at, at Zach Evans is he's that inside-outside zone. If you're a zone-heavy scheme, you're going to love Zach Evans because you know that physicality getting downhill. He's another guy who has that, that speed to be able to get to the edge and rack up yards in bunches, but not a guy who's going to necessarily run away from a ton of defenders. Um, but but Zach Evans, there, there's a lot to like in his game. Really going to be curious to see uh, what he brings to that Lane Kiffin offense. Moving over to, to Auburn and Tank Bigsby, six foot 208. I feel like Tank Bigsby has been there forever. Um, but you know, this is a guy who's known for the short area burst, that play strength. And when you talk about Tank, um, you know, a guy who's been uh, on that national stage since his freshman year, over 800 yards on the ground in 2020, um, and then he follows that up with a thousand-yard season, um, 10 touchdowns, 32 receptions in his career. And when you look at Tank, you know, this is a guy who, again, the, the short area burst, I think, is what you really see. You're not going to see him take. You know, the top off of a defense with all of that explosiveness. But what you are going to see is that bowling ball coming downhill. Runs through arm tackles, leg drive to finish. Very physical runner. He's going to spin and bounce off tackles. Um, and what you love, he's going to hit that hole. And then he's going to uh, to be the guy that's going to deliver that, that blow whenever possible. You're going to see some stiff arms from him as well. Keeps moving after contact. So that contact balance is absolutely there. Um, when they played Penn State, there was a collision with Jesse Lucetta in the hole. Um, runs through him and ends up falling forward for four yards on a second and one play. Um, that really uh, impressed me. Um, love his ability as a pass protector, stepping up as a uh, against blitzers in the A-gap. So you love that. Excellent effort. This is a guy who you know, would get bottled up. Wouldn't give up on the play. Would still look to bounce it to the outside. You worry about him trying to do a little bit too much. But again, that physicality is going to allow him, and the balance is going to allow him to turn nothing into something. And, and I know a lot of people are kind of down on Tank Bigsby because he's more of a north-south guy. You're not going to see a ton of lateral cuts. 
But I'm a big fan of Tank Bigsby's. I think this is a guy who can be explosive at the next level. Um, you know, I think he can be very patient in the backfield and then make his, his cut laterally, foot in the ground and get north, north and south in a hurry. Um, you know, the receiving effort, you know, it's something that I think, you know, you want to see him continue to work on. Uh, you know, he's shared some some of the, the duties, you know, with Sean Shivers and some of the other guys there at, at Auburn. I think Sean Shivers is one of those running backs that comes to mind. I really want to see him be the guy to set the tone for that Auburn offense, really open things up. Because, look, when you talk about Auburn and what they have coming, Bo Nix is gone. Bo Nix is in Eugene with the Oregon Ducks. So what you're going to have there is, is a new quarterback in Zach Calzada, who's also going to be uh, working with, with T.J. Finley, who's the incumbent there at that quarterback position. So you're going to be relying a little bit on that running game until that passing game can really get its foot footing. And uh, you know, especially before you hit the SEC, you want to start off on a right foot, really allow Tank Bigsby to get going. I'm expecting a big year out of him. And uh, he's one of those guys that I could see absolutely moving up some draft boards um, as the season progresses. Um, Georgia, another year, another running back that we're talking about coming out of Georgia. And this time it's Kenny McIntosh. And what you love about him, he's a big physical back. He's 6'1", 210 pounds. And when you look at his numbers, it's not overly impressive because he shared the backfield with so many guys. Uh, just 130 carries, so not a lot of wear on those legs. 753 yards, that's 5.8 yards per carry. Six touchdowns, 33 receptions in his career as well. And when you look at Kenny, uh, you know you see the, the vision. You see his ability to bounce the football outside. He sees those cutback lanes, be able to get back inside his blockers, and uh, then get north and south. And once you allow Kenny McIntosh to square his shoulders, he's going to be tough to bring down. Um, you know, he is tall and he does tend to be a little upright at times, but still he has really good leg drive. Um, he can be very strong in, in goal line situations as well. Um, the biggest thing that I worry about with him uh, is he just looks so tight. He's so tightly wound. He's 6'1", 210 pounds, so he's a big physical guy. He's tall. Uh, really, you know, he's got a good strong base, good contact balance as well. He's not going to go down on first contact, but you worry about that lateral agility with, with Kenny McIntosh. A lot of his runs were out to the perimeter. A lot of those things, you really get him out in space and then allow him to then make his cuts coming off of that. I thought getting back to full speed, he did that pretty easily, but it's still one of those things. You want him moving north and south more so than east and west. Um, and, and that's something that I think when Kenny McIntosh is in the game at the next level, teams are going to look to try to do that, uh, make him work laterally more so than, than getting north and south. Uh, Chris Rodriguez out of Kentucky is an intriguing guy. He's 5'11", 225 pounds. And uh, look, you know, with the, with the Wildcats there, this is a dude who just progressively got better each and every year. 2021, 1,378 yards on the ground, 6.1 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. Not much of a factor in the passing game. Look, he had just 15 receptions in his career. When you look at it, 6.6 .6 yards per carry on 417 attempts. That comes out to over 2,700 yards on the ground. Back-to-back -back seasons with double-digit touchdowns, 27 in all in his career. This guy, look, he was a playmaker. You, know, you want to talk about... Uh, you know, Will Levis, you want to talk about Wandale Robinson, but Chris Rodriguez was kind of the guy, who, you know, he was the one that was stirring the drink, if you will. Uh, physical, with excellent pad level, a guy who uh, isn't overly explosive, but you're going to see him rack up those yards in, in bunches. Um, you know, I think he's patient inside and out. Um, you see some lateral cuts to, to get to the perimeter. Um, you know, drops his pad level to finish. Um, you know, that's one of the things that I have here. Drops pad level, runs over defenders, physical runner, rarely goes down on initial contact. Um, I think some of the biggest issues, um, you know, it takes a little while for him to get back up to speed after throttling down. You know, one of those guys that I mentioned earlier, he can be a little hesitant at times at the line of scrimmage. And then ball security can be an issue as well. Now you, you get into some of the character issues. And really, I don't know that it's a huge character issue necessarily. It's one of those things that I think teams are going to have to look into uh, because you are talking about uh, you know, a, a kid 
at the end of the day as a college kid a lot of guys get arrested for DUI as a college kid it's just amplified because not only is he a division one uh, FBS running back uh, but he's also a guy who's an NFL prospect at the position as well which is why everyone's looking at Chris Rodriguez with this could be out as many as three to four games because of that DUI so that's another big concern when you look at a lot of guys um, they're not missing a ton of action so the fact that he is losing um, that much time on the field makes you wonder a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes so I think that's definitely a red flag that teams need to be on the lookout for so I mentioned that there was a guys with some physicality uh, but not necessarily a ton of speed how about the speed demons how about the speed merchants and Devin A. Shane is a guy that you have to love out of Texas A&M 5'9 185 pounds this guy when you look at his speed he has track speed 10 1 400 meter time when you're looking at that that's a guy that can really run at the international level he could train and run at some of those meets and be able to run in the top five. And that's something that I think is really special when you're talking about his, his, his speed. He is a smallish back, lacks those power elements. So, you know, he can't really drive the pile. He's not necessarily going to overpower you, but it's all about the speed. He's so freaking fast. It's unreal. You know, he just accelerates through the hole flies into the second level and then he's going to be able to make these cutback lanes excellent ankle flexion after he gets that foot in the ground to be able to explode uh look man you know there was that that game against bama first play after bama blocked the punt and recovered it in the end zone to pull to you know 24 to 17 sudden quickness and acceleration on this kickoff return 96 yards ran through the alley bounced it to the outside and was gone just needed that crease to get into the open field so when you're talking about explosiveness this is a dude that absolutely has that as a receiver against bama took this wheel route beat christian harris harris you know is a guy who's known to be a straight line linebacker you look at that 40 time it was exceptional but when you put him into coverage and you're asking him to work backwards work a little bit more laterally that's where he struggled at times and uh you know, he was beaten by a chain tracked the ball really well late hands is so, I mean, that's that's really advanced as a receiver coming out of the backfield. Catches that ball over the shoulder, 33-yard gain on that play. You see some of the patience being able to follow his blockers, waiting for them to ultimately set that block on the boundary and then be able to make his cuts coming off of that block. Um, so, I think when you look at A-Chain, the one thing that you worry about, again, is that lack of, of overall size and that physicality to his game. How durable is he going to be? But when you talk about, again, the new NFL, it's all about space. And it's all about playmakers in space. And Devin A-Chain, with that speed, you can't teach 10-100 speed. You just can't. And I think the difference between him and, and Sean Tucker, Sean may not be nearly as fast as Devin Achain. What Sean Tucker has is a little bit more of that physicality, runs with a little bit more purpose. And I think that's why I've got him a little bit higher than Devin Achain. But man, Devin Achain, if you use him right at the next level, he can be very, very explosive. Same goes with the next guy I've got on my list, and that's Blake Corum out of Michigan. You know, he's 5'8", 200 pounds. Um, so obviously not the biggest guy by any means, Man, is he fast. Man, is he fast. You know, you look at uh, at his sophomore season, uh, 952 yards on the ground, 6.6 .6 yards per carry, and 11 touchdowns. Receiving, you know, he was definitely a receiving threat, 24 receptions uh, this past season for the, the Wolverines. He's just so explosive. I think that the, the burst, that straight line speed, the lateral agility, he, again, another guy who's a little bit on the smaller side, um, you know, I think he's almost tapped out in terms of uh, of the bulk that he has on his body. So you're not going to see a ton of power coming out of him. What you are going to see, again, that, that explosiveness, his ability to just slip through the smallest of creases, some of those lateral cuts to make people miss. It reminds me of, of a run against Northwestern. It was a third and five play. Uh, offensive line blocks down to the right, and, and he immediately sees daylight to the left. Puts a foot in the ground, some serious ankle flexion, cutting it back to the left, a shake on the edge to make the edge rusher there miss, gets to the second level, then a stutter and a wiggle on the safety, Coco Azima, 
ends up picking up 22 yards. Definitely a dynamic, dynamic uh, playmaker. One of the things that you worry about is is some of that ball security. If you're going to be a focal point of that that passing game there for the Wolverines, I mean, look, Ronnie Bell is is coming back. You know, you've got Eric All, the tight end, but are we going to see Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, really take that next step in that passing game? You know, especially when you've got two quarterbacks that that are going to be throwing the football to you. You've got both Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy in that dual quarterback offense that Jim Harbaugh has. But uh, again, I'm a big fan of Blake Corum because of that speed, the playmaking ability. I worry about, again, the drops in the passing game. I worry about you know his lack of size and that durability. Um, I think you know for, for that, that lack of power elements, at the same time, I, I do have to give him some credit. He is a big ball of muscle, so he does have some of that lower body strength. It's just not to the level of, of some of these other guys. And when I talk about lower body strength and power in this draft class, you, you got to talk about Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA, right? 6'1", 220 pounds, uh, a transfer from Michigan. So we go from one current Wolverine to a former Wolverine, now a Bruin. And by the way, the Bruins right now headed to the Big Ten in, uh, in 2024. Sounds like the UC Regents may have something to say about that. But uh, in any event, when you look at Zach Charbonnet, you know, to me, he's a guy who can get, you know, he's very fast north-south. He struggles laterally at times, you know, and I think getting back up to speed, but you're not going to see him dance a whole lot. It's really all about, man, I'm getting north and south. I'm not going to bother about the lateral part. I'm getting north and south, and I'm going to make it, you make your life a living hell. Because this is a dude who is going to drag defenders after contact. He's going to spin through tackles. He's going to run you over. There's going to be a stiff arm. He's going to move the pile. Multiple defenders are going to end up jumping on him. You've seen those types of runs. And that's really what Zach Charbonnet excels at. You're going to see some quick feet coming downhill. Be able to make uh, a lateral cut to the right. Get back to the left. But that's a lot of that short area burst. You're not going to see him in the open field do a lot of these things. Um, but look, that's not what you're going to ask Zach Charbonnet. When you're getting him, you're getting got. You know, you want to see him drag defenders after contact. You want to see that leg drive. Um, you know, he's not the best receiver in the world. He is going to drop some passes um, you know, as a as a pass protector. I think at times he struggled with that. He's a willing blocker, but I think he needs to get better as a pass protector. But look, Charbonnet. He finally, you know, he moves into a starting role and really a feature role there in the Pac-12 with the Bruins. It goes over 1,100 yards on on the year, 13 touchdowns, 20, 24 receptions as well for the Bruins. And uh, I, I think Zach Charbonnet is a guy. The physicality that he brings, new dimension there for UCLA. I think they were really struggling, struggling to find some physicality to their game, and that's really exactly what Zach Charbonnet brought to the party and I think that's one of the things that the Bruins just absolutely love about him and uh, you know I expect a big year out of him there in uh, in the Pac-12. Looking at some other guys to to also be on the lookout for if you're talking about group of five uh, for a second we're gonna have to talk about Dwayne McBride we'll get some other group of five guys here in a minute but Dwayne McBride out of UAB 5'11 215 pounds Explosive for the Blazers. Over 1,300 yards on the ground, 6.7 yards per carry, 13 touchdowns. And what you see with, with Dwayne McBride is he's got the, the frame. Um, but look, man, you want him to be very physical as a runner. Needs to be a little bit more efficient with his footwork. Wants to dance at times. Man, he has that burst, hits the hole, picks up yards and bunches. If he can really have another big year there for UAB, but man, just be more decisive and just go. Don't try to create too much. Just be a little bit more instinctive. Cut down on the feet. Be more efficient with your feet. And I think Dwayne McBride is a guy that can definitely move up draft boards. Um, Eric Gray out of Oklahoma. Formerly of uh, Tennessee, 5'9", 206. This is a guy who was sharing the backfield with Kennedy Brooks a season ago. Now that Kennedy has moved on, it's all about Eric Gray in this offense as the lead guy. And what you see there is you have excellent speed on the perimeter. I think that's one of the things that absolutely jumps out. Um, he'll make you miss in the open field, has some nice spin moves, can be very elusive in space. 
Um, but he's really a good receiver. That's one of the things that I continue to see in my notes. Um, you know, a guy who's going to create um, excellent hands. He's going to, you know, one of the things that you saw in a lot of the different swing passes is you'll have these linebackers that are over pursuing and he catches them leaning, puts his foot in the ground and boom, quickly heads back to the inside and gets north and south in a hurry, has those head fakes to then set up a man and make another move and be able to take a, a 10 to 12 yard play into a 25, 30 yard play. Um, that's one of the things that you can definitely see him making guys miss with the football in his hands, especially as a receiver. And, and that's something that I absolutely think is gonna translate to the next level. Um, after 1300 yards on the ground, with the Volunteers, 43 receptions. Follows that up at OU with just 78 uh, carries for 412 yards, two touchdowns, also 23 receptions. So when you're talking about him, just 336 carries in his career to go along with 66 receptions. Not a ton of wear because he's been sharing the backfield. And uh, when you're talking about guys who can catch the football out of the backfield like Eric Gray can, that's obviously going to turn some heads. The one thing that you have to look at is that pass protection. He needs to be more consistent. There are times where he's able to pick up blockers coming off the edge, but he also struggles at times in that area as well. So I think that's something he needs to shore up just a little bit. So moving on from, from Eric Gray, who's 5'9". Staying in the Big 12, we got to look at the diminutive one in Deuce Vaughn, who's only 5'6", 173 pounds, but he has K-State people looking at him saying, is this guy the next Darren Sproles? Um, you know, the all-purpose yards absolutely jump off the charts at 642 yards on the ground, um, 1,076 scrimmage yards, over 1,200 all-purpose yards, all Kansas State freshman records. So when Deuce burst onto the field, that was something that absolutely caught everybody's attention. As a sophomore, even more explosive, if you can believe that. Over 1,400 yards on the ground, six yards per carry, 18 touchdowns, 49 receptions as well. So when I look at him, you talk about a guy five foot six. That wasn't a running back that was getting drafted at one point. But now when you're talking about space and guys that can make plays in space, you think about a guy like Tariq Cohen, carved out a nice little career there with the, the Chicago Bears. Deuce Vaughn could do something absolutely similar because of that elusiveness in space, being dynamic as a receiver, can, you know, very fluid at, you know, in his route running his ability to catch the football and make plays. He's a, he's a smaller guy, but at the same time, great effort in pass protection. That was one of the things that you saw uh, time and time again out of him, a guy that just absolutely impresses. Now, there's some other guys to talk about in, in the running, running back class, but I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about a couple of FCS guys. And they're both named Isaiah, so it makes things easy. First is gonna be Isaiah Davis out of South Dakota State. Uh, 6'1", 220 pounds. Look, you know, over 1,500 yards in, in two seasons there for the Jackrabbits playing alongside Pierre Strong. Um, 17 touchdowns, just nine receptions. Really, you know, Pierre Strong was the guy that, that really was the focal point of that offense. But look, now as a junior, Davis is going to be the guy. And man, if you turned in, tuned in and watched that Sam Houston State game, he, this, was the, this was the run that basically tells you all you need to know about Isaiah Davis. It was an 85-yard touchdown. Puts his foot in the ground and the burst through the hole. So he gets north and south in a hurry. Very much a north-south guy. Um, breaks a couple of tackles. And then right after that is able to then also bounce it to the outside. Make a lateral cut. Avoid a defensive back. Physical stiff arm at the 50 on another DB. As he goes down the sideline, another guy tries to trip him up. Another defensive back. He's able to run through that tackle. Take off down the sideline to the house. So a guy who... You saw him, you know, just in what I was describing, multiple guys were able to make a play on him. So he doesn't have game-breaking speed, but his ability to run through arm tackles, that contact balance, the play strength, and then the, the ability, look, he's going to pick up some yards in bunches. He's physical. He's a bigger running back. He's a guy to keep an eye out for. And look, you can talk about FCS all you want. The game to keep an eye out for is going to be September 3rd at Iowa. So you're talking about Iowa City, Kinnick Stadium, Hawkeye defense led by, that's right, Jack Campbell and company. Those linebackers are ferocious. You've got uh, you know, Lucas Van Ness up front. You've got 
Uh, Riley Moss on the back end of the defense as well. Very uh, disciplined defense. Let's see what Isaiah Davis can do against that, that group. If he has a big day, imagine what that's going to do for his draft stock. Uh, keep an eye out for Isaiah Davis. The other Isaiah to watch out for is Isaiah Afonsi out of Montana State. 5'10", 202 pounds, uh, over 3,400 yards in his career, second in uh, Montana State history, 16 career, 100-yard games. And last season, 1,623 yards, led the FCS, and broke Troy Anderson's record. Now, again, Troy Anderson was a linebacker that was drafted in the second round of this past draft. Uh, you know, when he was a running back, yeah, he was doing things like that. So uh, you look at Isaiah Fonsi breaking that type of record, definitely something that's special. You see the burst through the hole, some, some nice loose hips to allow him to be effective down the field the vision to see the uh see the alley on the outside foot in the ground then able to make the lateral cut back to the inside and again contact balance is absolutely there isaiah fonsi from montana state bobcats have to love what they have there in the backfield transitioning to the group of five for a second if we will and we look at Lou Nichols out of Central Michigan, 5'10", 220 pounds. And when you talk about guys who are going to lead the FBS in rushing, you don't think about a guy from Central Michigan, the Chippewas. But man, over 1,800 yards on the ground, 16 touchdowns, and then 40 receptions as well. This guy, is he has a nice frame because he's 5'10", five, five, but 220 pounds, absolutely physical. You know, a guy who's going to going to truck you whenever possible. Um, you, you definitely see the power in the red zone as well. Uh, lateral cuts to get to the perimeter. You're going to see the stiff arms. Um, you know, there was one run where he had one on a linebacker and then got another one on a defensive back. So uh, he doesn't discriminate. That's for sure. Um, you're going to see some some speed out of him as well for a guy that's that big. Um, you know, he, he can run run past some of the secondary as well. And look. As a receiver, I think that's one of the things that w was so impressive. You saw the hands in the passing game. And so when you look at Lou Nichols, not a guy that people are really talking about because, look, you know, it's Central Michigan, but a guy who, if he has another big year, you can't guarantee that people are going to start talking about uh, what Lou Nichols is capable of. And so the first question that you have to ask is, well, who is Central Michigan playing that we can really see what he can do? Look no further than Thursday, September 1st against Oklahoma State. The 12th-ranked Cowboys invite the Chippewas into their building. We're going to see that happen. And then 23 days later, September 24th, that one's a Saturday, they travel to Happy Valley to take on the Penn State Nittany Lions. So you really want to see what Lou Nichols can do, how he shapes up. Look, he's going to be running up against... You know, a, a line with a pair of new tackles. No more Bernard Ryman on, on the left side. No more Luke Gadecki on the right side. So it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, what that does to to his his ability to create. But if he has a big game, especially against the Cowboys in that first season behind that new offensive line, expect Lou Nichols' draft stock to continue to rise. Uh, Mohamed Ibrahim out of Minnesota. Haven't forgotten about him. 5'10", 210 pounds. A team captain, um, you know, he's coming off of, a, of an injury look, you know, against Ohio State, out for the year with that Achilles injury. He's going to be coming back off of that. Whenever you have a major injury, look, I tore my Achilles. I'm still feeling the effects of it three, four years later. Um, you know, so you worry about some of the explosiveness. He was never a guy that was a game breaker in terms of his speed. So what does that do to his speed? He has that power between the tackles runs behind his pads. You're always seeing him move forward and fall forward. Um, hard runner downhill. Um, the tackle breaking is evident. The vision, the ability to wait for that hole to open up and then get downhill. Very patient as a runner. You just worry about what Mohamed Ibrahim is going to be like um, coming off of that injury. But look, in 2020, absolutely spectacular in just seven games. Yeah, he had you know over 200 uh, carries on the year. But over a thousand yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, you know the, the scary thing is you're looking at 562 total touches on offense. But he knows how to get it done. 33 total touchdowns in his career, 5.5 yards per carry.
which isn't bad for, for a guy his size. Uh, you know, he just played in that one game. But look, that one game was special against Ohio State. 30 carries, 163 yards, and a couple of touchdowns really kept Minnesota in the game. And, and when Minnesota lost him in the backfield, they were pretty much lost. So you want to see, you know, it's really a, a, a good story to see here. Um, I'm anxious to see what Mohamed Ibrahim can bring to the table. Does he have the lateral agility, the, the downhill uh, speed, or is he going to struggle to kind of come back from that? And if he does struggle, that's where I worry that uh, he may not even be draftable at that point. You worry about that burst. You think of a guy like Dylan Moses, who was coming off of that knee injury, and, and he really struggled to get back. Really looked slow in uh, in some of that that transition coming, that, you know, that year after the knee injury, and ultimately he was not drafted. And so that's what I worry for for Mohamed Ibrahim. One final guy to talk about transitioning back to the group of five, and I'm looking at Cameron Peoples, 6'2", 220 pounds, Appalachian State. Look, the Mountaineers, they've got a dude. Um, you know, if you tuned in and watched the Myrtle Beach Bowl two years ago, uh, 22 carries, over 300 yards, 14.4 yards per carry, five touchdowns. NCAA Bowl record for yards. This dude, uh, just absolutely, he's explosive. A downhill runner, a dude who's going to run through contact. You'll see the outside zone and uh, can be very patient, puts his foot in the ground, wants to get north and south in a hurry. Um, he's a guy, you know, I have on my notes, one cut and go downhill runner, definitely a north and south guy. Um, you'll see some of the stiff arms. You'll see some of that contact balance. You'll see some of the physicality coming out of him. Um, you know, with Cameron Peoples, big frame there. Um, you know, just fell, uh, what, 74 yards shy of 1,000 yards this past season, 14 touchdowns, back-to-back -to -back seasons with double-digit touchdowns at 12 there in 2020 as a sophomore where he went over 1,100 yards, 6.7 yards per carry during that season. Um, you know, 6.3 yards per carry and 28 touchdowns in his career. He's a guy to watch out for. I think if he can stay healthy and continue running, you know, he's going to be sharing the backfield. We know that with Nate Noel. But that Mountaineer offense, they can be very explosive. You're going to have Chase Bryce, uh, a veteran under center. But I think that offense is really going to go with that one-two punch. And you want to see Cameron Peoples have an explosive season. He showed in that bowl game uh, a couple of years ago how special he can be. You just want to see him continually put that out there on the field. And I can guarantee you more and more teams are going to notice. And you're going to see that draft stock continue to rise. Um, not much of a factor in the passing game, but I'm hoping that we're going to see a little bit more of him catching the football out of the backfield so we can really get an idea of what he is as a, as a pass catcher as well. So those are the running backs that I really want to make sure I keep an eye out for. I'll throw out a couple of other names too to look out for. Travis Dye transferring from Oregon to USC. This is a guy who, uh, you know, he's not very shifty. He's more of a north-south guy, um, a high-cut guy you know and, and he has these kind of short choppy steps he's more of a slasher uh, then there's Ellis Merriweather out of UMass if you want to tune in and watch a Minuteman game I know it hasn't been exciting lately but watch number seven just tune in and catch a game you'll see why 6'2 225 pounds he's big he's physical uh, he's a lot of fun to watch for sure and uh, when you when you talk about Ellis Merriweather and what he's meant to that UMass program look this past season uh, over 1,100 yards on the ground, uh, just five touchdowns, but he did have 22 receptions. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is a guy, he's physical. He's a big dude, one cut and go type of a guy as well. He's going to explode downhill. He's going to be a guy to be on the lookout for. And then Xavier Valade, another transfer from Wyoming to ASU. Want to see what he can do at that power five level. Six foot, just under 200 pounds. A guy who's going to run hard between the tackles. Um, could be a threat as a receiver. Um, I think he just goes down too easily. Lacks that contact balance a little bit. Some of that uh, that lower body strength. But I expect to see a heavy dose of Xavier Valade early on in Tempe with Herman Edwards and company. So when you look at this running back class, you have to expect at least 20 running backs are going to come off the board. In fact, over the last 10 years, at least 22 running backs have been drafted in seven of those last 10 drafts. So 
you know you're going to be seeing some running backs coming off the board. You're going to see a few guys that have some of that power. You're going to see some guys with some explosive speed. But teams are going to be looking at guys who can do a little bit of everything. You're going to need to see those guys who can make plays out in space. That's really the, the way that the NFL is really going towards. You want to see guys who are going to be able to catch the football out of the backfield. And you want to see them as pass protectors as well. You want to find those three down backs. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily matter because gone are the days of just having one feature back and then a couple of backups. You're going to have a stable of running backs. You're going to have guys who have this specialization and you're going to be able to bring that to the table. So you're going to want to have a stable of backs so the more versatile a guy can be, the better. So we've gone through our running backs. Obviously, what's up next are going to be the guys that are going to be catching the football from the quarterbacks, namely the receivers and tight ends. Uh, who's going to be the top receiver? Is it Jackson Smith and Jigba? Is it that simple uh, coming off of that Utah game? Uh, could it be Keishon Boutte? What about Jordan Addison with his move to USC? A lot of dynamic receivers. Is it on the level of last year's draft class where we actually saw uh, two wide receivers come off the board in the top 10 with Drake London and Garrett Wilson, only to then see, well, you got Jamison Williams and Chris Olave come off the board right after that. And a few picks later, Jahan Dotson come off, comes off the board. Uh, and then that tight end class. You know, th- this is a class where uh, there, there's a lot of depth. And the question is going to be, is there a tight end that's worthy of a first-round pick? I think Michael Mayer is a complete tight end, probably more so than, than Trey McBride. I thought Trey McBride might be a little bit better of a receiver, We know where Trey McBride went. He came off the board in round number two. Where are we going to see Michael Mayer come off the board? Where are we going to see some of these other guys? I think you're going to see another deep tight end class, though, when it comes down to it. A lot of guys from really a lot of different programs, which is exciting to see. So until next time, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. And until next time, I am out of here. Football season in less than a week. Can't wait.